You know, Elk 101 is just, it's, it's its own beast, and it just keeps rolling down the hill. I'm just trying to hold on to it. And I can remember I was on this rocky ridge, and all of a sudden right there in front of me, uh, a desert ram appeared. I'd really, really never seen one before. And just as soon as it appeared and stared me down, it turned, and in just a, a flash of the eye and a little bit of dust, it was gone. But I was so intrigued by where those animals lived that that started me on a journey that uh, definitely has changed my life. You know, we often hear from everybody, and I heard growing up as a kid, you know, oh, Weatherby, I've always wanted to own a Weatherby. We sat around the campfire right there at the kill site, and we probably sat there for, I don't know, hours, recounting the experience, loving it, living it over and over again, and just and just really taking in the moment. And so to me, you know, that's one. And then, you know, I've had other deer that I've hunted for a couple of years, and you finally put your hands on them, and there's something to be said for that too. But 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 I really enjoyed that experience and being able to experience that together. And so it's about who you're hunting with too at times. It's not just about the animal. That was one of those nights that I remember we even said it. We're like, will this ever happen again? to the RNA Outdoors podcast fueled by Ripcord Arrowrest and First Light Hunting Apparel. At RNA, we are public land DIY conservationists that love to share our passion for the outdoors. So join us and our team as we interview professionals in the industry to share insight knowledge that helps make hunters and anglers more successful. listeners, subscribers, and fellow outdoorsmen and women. This is your host, Lucas Paw, and I'm excited to tell you about some of the sponsors that continue to help make this podcast not only happen, but grow and thrive in this digital world of audio content. This podcast is brought to you by Ripcord Arrowrest, the bow hunter's number one fallaway rest on the market. Ripcord is known for 100% full-time arrow containment and their patented drop-dead brake system that eliminates launcher bounce back. Best of all, Ripcord is backed by their rock-solid guarantee. If the original owner has a part break for any reason, it will be repaired or replaced at no charge. And did I mention? Ripcord is located in southwest Montana, where all their products are made with pride in America. Check them out at ripcordrs.com and on their social media feeds. This podcast is brought to you by First Light Clothing and Hunting Apparel. Born in the Rockies in central Idaho, First Light's mission is to create simple yet proven versatile gear that provides comfort and performance in any situation while working to promote the pursuit of ethical hunting and stewardship. I recently joined the First Light Pro Staff team and have continued to be impressed year after year in their innovations in engineering and merino wool fabrics. 
Ten years ago, they started putting out wool fabrics with camel patterns, and immediately this changed the game. Since then, they offer multiple layering systems and kits in various proprietary patterns and continue to raise the bar with their competition. Find them online at firstlight.com or under their social media feeds. Go farther, stay longer. Okay. All right. Well, happy Thanksgiving, Jason. Happy Black Friday, Lucas. I guess it is Black Friday, huh? Yeah. Oh, man. Tur- Turkey Day came and went, and we ate candy ham. It was actually or was ham, that ham candy? It should have been ham day. Ham, ham day. I love ham. No, it was good. It was nice to, I would say not travel, but <laughs> I won't even get into that. But Yeah, we won't talk about your seven-hour round trip to oh, nowhere. Oh, man. Weather. Gotta love weather. To all Normally. Lucas's followers that were were expecting him to be somewhere on Thanksgiving, uh, it is true that he was not able to make it to that location. Unfortunately, so, the weather just, uh, you never thought weather in California would be bad, but it was not good. So anyway, We're going to recap I, a little Covalo action, eh? Yeah, so we thought we would uh, come back to El Studio here, back, back in the man cave, and thought we'd just sit down and kind of recap from... Um, our last, uh, I guess it'd be like five days uh, on our uh, Covalo hunt where uh, we were uh, in Northern California chasing some good deer and, and saw some really good bucks. And um, I think you'll catch in our part one episode, we were um, with Rick, uh, who uh, we introduced uh, through the A to Z Foundation, one of your friends, Jason, who uh, kind of put us on to some good deer in the first part of our hunt. And then uh, he had to head back home. So we we hunted um, starting, I think, November 19th, which was a Tuesday afternoon, uh, and uh, went up, and uh, I actually set up a camp, so we uh, we left Rick's place, and uh, I went up, back up to uh, kind of where we had done a lot of scouting previously, and um, set up a camp. You had to run into town, get some fuel, uh, and grab a couple things, uh, and uh, that evening, uh, we connected, and uh, we had gone in, and, and we kind of continued to hunt most of the areas that um, we'd either scouted or we had been in previously and really areas where we had seen deer and seen bucks. Um, but the problem that I know you and I had talked about was, is, you know, the deer would show up and it was like 20 minutes before shooting light at the end of the day. And That's... it just made it totally difficult to, you know, if you glass a glass a deer up and, and for instance, Tuesday evening, you know, I walked down and and pushed across an area that you said, man, I saw this really nice buck come out the night before. So I figured, well, let me be there in, you know, in shooting position at yeah. dark. And here I get a message from you that says, Hey, big buck spotted. Right? Yeah. Well, that was the crazy part. And you know, that was the evening when that storm was just coming in and we were thinking, wow, this could be, this could be our opportunity, right? We were we were hearing there was going to be weather. We didn't know there was going to be a little bit of wind again, but we were thinking positive thoughts of dropping temperatures and opportunities in regards to potential rut activity and or rain, which uh, inherently in Northern California, when you get a good rain right afterwards is is super fun hunting. Yeah. Um, and in this case, uh, the fog blew in, which... For those people that love to glass, you, we all know that fog is kind of like one of those things that's absolutely stinky. And uh, it was blowing in, and of course, you um, moved up to uh, what we call the gate, 
it was an area where I had seen a big buck the evening before with my uh, buddy Rick, and we thought that potentially uh, the deer could work out there. In fact, actually, I spotted a couple of does and a small buck that worked mm-hmm. out in that same geographical area, Yep. and uh, he was acting a little ruddy, so uh, we were kind of hopeful that if you got within shooting distance that maybe the big boy would show up. Yeah. And unfortunately, I mean, I was, I thought I was in a good position and, and, uh, I did see that, that buck push the doe out, but, um, you know, it's, it's funny about blacktail is what kind of thing. One of the things we learned was, is we were in the general area where the bucks were, they just were never in a patternable area anytime throughout yeah. the hot morning or evening. There was never a point where we saw a buck in one area and he was there the next day. He could have been you know, a mile on the other side of the canyon the next day. It just, there was no pattern to any of them. And that was something that, you know, I mean, I, you know, I mean, we say the rut, right? Well, we didn't really see the rut totally kick in where potentially a deer and a doe stayed in a general same area. Um, But what we found is there was a couple different drainages where animals were pretty concentrated but we just didn't have the the big deer and then of course the day that, that I saw that one big buck and then the next evening you go in and get to where you were within 300 yards of where I'd seen him yeah and then of course the fog rolls in and I look down below me which was probably I don't know 700 yards below me and about probably I don't know a couple thousand yards from you and there he is he's standing yeah. freaking right on the edge of a slip all by himself out in the middle of the opening and i mean for those guys that have never seen you know a true boone and crockett blacktail buck i mean this was one of those moments which after 30 years of hunting i think i've probably up until this trip had seen three and now all of a sudden here you know on this trip what i think we figured out we saw probably about five total five good mature age class bucks but but once again you know i seen I saw this buck. Now this is two evenings in a row. And I'm thinking, okay, he's right here. You know, sooner or later, he's going to pick up a lady and we're going to be able to hunt him. And then how many days did we spend in there? Four, five? Yeah, at least. And we never did see him again. I mean, magical disappearing act. It's it's yeah. one of those moments where you... I look back and... and you know, Lucas is much more aggressive in his hunting tactic. Of course, and he could also run straight up a hill without any problem, you know. And I'm a little fatter and older and slower and, okay, all those things. But at the same time, I look back now and go, man, if I'd have known that was going to be the last time I saw him, I should have, even though I only had 20 minutes of daylight, I should have just freaking bailed off the mountain, mm-hmm. run down there and just seen if he he allowed me to, to get close okay, enough yeah. to him to send an arrow. And instead, I I looked at him until he dropped into this wash, and then I could never pick him back out. But we did find out the washes are a little different there too, huh, Lucas? Oh man, so <laughs> yeah. So anytime you'd like point and be like, okay, we just got to get over to that ridge right there. And so the last few days, you know, we would drop in to this big drainage, and uh, you'd walk across these washes, and uh, it was incredible. I mean, how steep, how how dense the vegetation was around those. And then also just the amount of deadfall and the rocks in there made it pretty intricate to get in and out of some of those, those switchbacks. Well, the funny part is, uh, we, we were looking from a distance quite often cause you know, our 
general pattern is to get someplace high, get someplace where you got optics, try to actually locate them and potentially bet them. Well, you know, we'd find them and then all of a sudden they disappear. And then maybe 45 minutes later, they'd pop up, which vision wise from a mile or mile and a half away looked like, oh, well, they just went into a little space and hung out there for a while. And then now all of a sudden appeared. Well, when we dropped into those canyons down there, well, the one that we hunted, it had five fingers. Yeah. Within, what do you think? I, I think it was only about five. If we stood on the one side and ranged it, I think it was only about 600, 500, 600 far. yards across. Yeah. But there was five individual different fingers. So it literally dropped off into one, came onto the peak of another, dropped down into another one came back up and then on the third one actually we found running water which that kind of surprised both of us but then also made us realize that surprise surprise that could be the reason why they they could live there or if they dropped off into that one area and they were gone for an hour and then all of a sudden they reappeared you're like oh where did they go well they probably went down and got a drink yeah so but yeah so just thinking about you know it's funny because you you took the picture of that buck, you sent it to me, you said, hey, good buck in the bottom. And then it wasn't until a few days later, we actually kind of edited that photo and zoomed in on it to realize really how good of yeah. a deer that was. But um, the downside of the next day and a half was, is when we went back to camp, we were walking back and you could just tell that the pressure was dropping, the wind was picking up. And uh, that was our first night staying up on the mountain and um, had the cots set out and, you know, everything <laughs> going. And then next thing you know, the wind starts blowing and it starts raining. And you made you made the good call of just sleeping in the back of the truck. But, uh, yeah, we ended up getting slammed with about a day, over a day to a day and a half of wind. Um, that night came through and then the whole next day was just windier than heck. And, and um, I mean, as you know, and we talked about this, you know, it's hard enough sitting out with a 40, 50 mile an hour gust, trying to glass, keeping your, your glass flat and where you're standing stuff and yeah. steady, let alone as much as we hate it. You can only imagine how much the animals hate it too. And we just, for about a day and a half, didn't have any luck seeing much or even locating anything based on that wind that came through. Yeah. That wind was absolutely sucky. Um, <laughs> that's the political term right there. Sucky. Yeah. Um, it was, it, well, I mean, we were, we had just left cabin life which thanks rick we appreciate that that was really pretty nice <laughs> nice cooked meals yeah had shelter and a bed and but then you know actually weather up to that point had been very mild and nice and then we get up on the top of the mountain and oh my gosh i mean when we got back to camp we were sitting there and hanging out and you looked at me and went this is ridiculous this is miserable. We, we can't it's six thirty, seven o'clock and we're trying to like have conversations and the wind is blowing so hard your nose is running yeah. you know you got your big poofy jackets on and <laughs> we're sitting in between the trucks thinking well this is a little bit blocked from the wind and it was horrible and then yeah. all night long all i kept hearing was we had tarped the the cots and and some of our equipment and stuff and man all i kept hearing is that freaking tarp blowing yeah. in the wind and i knew this is bad. Yeah. And you mentioned deer don't like the wind. You know, they, well, they always try to find that little pocket, but the challenge is never having really hunted that geographical area. 
we didn't necessarily know where those little pockets were and they would stay. I mean, if we could have figured out where they were or could have located them, a lot of times I think they would have stayed in that area for a potential stock, but let's get to the terrain. I mean, I mean, (laughs) yeah, well, you and I remember we found that, that one little glassing area that was on the leeward side of the wind. And, um, interesting enough, this kind of becomes interesting later because we found, you know, a pretty good bedded buck on that same side. But, you know, we find kind of found that little cut that was literally on the opposite side of where the wind was blowing. It was calm. It was quiet. And all around us, you could hear the trees just, you know, moving and you could, you could feel the wind gusts around you, but we were essentially protected from it because we were right below that rock. And that's more than likely where the deer were hanging out in places like that. Well, and you, you mentioned it right there is we, we got there and I still remember after not really sleeping a lot, cause I don't like the wind, even when I'm in a truck, um, uh, you said, Hey, I got a f- nice spot to glass from. And so I circled over with you and I'd left my pack and bow up on the top of the mountain. Cause I was just kind of trying to get out of the wind. And uh, when I got around the corner and I went, Oh crap, I just laid on a rock, took myself a little nap. I think you threw a rock at me because I started snoring or something. I might've taken a picture of you sleeping too. Oh, there you go. Just like that. I won't put it out anywhere. (laughs) Oh, social media. This is how Jason hunts. Look at that. Yeah. But no, it was, it was a rough day and a half or two. And then we finally got a break in the weather. And, um, and I say break in the weather, we got a break in the wind, but it started getting warm again. And, um, it was the, um, trying to think of the morning. I think it was the 21st, which would have been like Thursday morning. Um, we split up that morning and we were kind of at that point where, you know, let's start covering ground, you know, you go hunt one drainage and I'll kind of go focus in another area. Well, I ended up finding, um, you know, a couple bucks that morning. They were good bucks and they were kind of right on the boundary uh, on the, uh, on the private and the, in the public, uh, wilderness land. So, I kind of um, dumped off the mountain, don't went off, and I think you went back up, and and uh, I ended up scooting scooting that boundary line and getting in on those deer. And I think I'd sent you a picture. I'd you know I'd gotten those does were within about I don't know 100 150 yards of me, just feeding, and, and it was the same group of five does that um, I had seen with that one buck that looked like a pretty yeah. pretty favorable buck, and uh, waited an hour and uh, just never saw. Um, any, any antlers or any buck with that group. But what I, one thing I told you guys I thought was interesting was, is as I was working in that area, I was trying to stay below them, uh, and at their same level because the wind was bad. And I think we'll talk more about the wind, yeah. you know, in this podcast, but wind never seemed to be on our side a lot of times when we were, when we were going through this hunt, but right as I could feel the wind changing, I get my, um, I get my wind check out and I'm starting to see the, you know, the wind starting to change. And immediately within minutes, you could see that group of five does just spin around and put the wind at their nose and then head right back down the drainage that they came up. Which I don't think they winded you. It was just no. that was their natural pattern, right? So they were feeding into the wind. And then all of a sudden when the wind changed and they no longer had that advantage, they they changed their pattern and they just filtered back the other direction, which was a safe move, which... Really, in the end, it is kind of an interesting concept because we look at it and go, well, you were in a position to potentially get a shot if there would have been a buck. Yeah, absolutely. The, well, actually, it was a it was a hair tag, technically. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess you could have had a shot at one of those, but, yeah. but we would have yeah, never let you live that no, one down. No, this wasn't about meat by but, any means. You know, when you went and did that, that was the, that was the evening that I, I went back over and I went on the back side, didn't I? Mm-hmm. So 
This was kind of interesting. Yeah, you had gone to an area that you had scouted previously and yeah. thought was an area you wanted to focus on. I, I, as a kid growing up, you know, wherever the loggers logged and wherever there was a burn. So a lot of times they'd log and then burn an area. And inherently a couple of years later, it would be fantastic hunting. So what I looked at is I found an area, um, had a water trough in it where they had set up for the cattle and it was a really neat area. I think it was a little overgrown, probably on the 10 year old status of, of, um, since the growth, since the burn. Yeah. And I just loved it. I mean, to me, it reminded me of my childhood and where I killed a lot of bucks. So I decided since we hadn't been seeing a lot of deer that I would move over there. And one thing that we did notice, and and we ran on to another hunter, which turned out to be a friend, and, and hopefully we'll have him on the podcast in the future. Yeah. Um, I had mentioned to him, I said, geez, you know, we have only seen a half a dozen deer above mid-mountain level. Almost all the animals that we've found were, what, when you, when you say probably 2,500 feet and below... Where the peak, low, say, yeah. say, was 45 to 55, give or, give or take. Yep. So most of the deer that we had found were, were actually low. But we did find a few that were up high. And when the weather changed, my mental thought process was, hey, some of these deer may come out into these places. So I dropped on the opposite side of the mountain, which was the shady, shot, shady side or eastern slopes, and went into this burn area, um... I just decided for myself that I was going to hit one of main cat trails and just basically slow hunt it all the way down, looking for sign and tracks. And then maybe I'd try rattling, which, uh, you know, that's kind of another story that's coming up here. And, and I just looked to see if we could see anything. Well, I literally walked for about an hour and a half, one direction, and I never cut one deer, tra- one deer track. And it got almost to the very bottom, and I found some deer tracks, but they were prior to the winds and the rain that happened, which we only had about an hour's worth of rain. But that hour's worth of rain did wash out most of the signs, so you could definitely tell when things were new. And it it was miserable. I stopped. I found a couple of really great spots that had a couple of pinch points in them, and I rattled just to see if anything would, would show itself. And then I walked myself back out of there and man, you want to talk about feeling depressed. Yeah. I mean, that was a whole evening's hunt where not only did I not see a deer, I didn't see a fresh deer track. And that really solidified for me that the animals that we were looking to hunt were basically under that 2,500 foot level mm-hmm. elevation wise and, and more concentrated low yeah so. and i'd gone and and hunted in that basin on the on the opposite side of where we were camping and had the same experience i mean we'd been seeing deer low there but um i don't even think that night i glassed up one buck and i think we both came back to camp and we're just like you know just shaking our heads like well, you know are we doing something wrong i mean we're 
we're pretty good hunters. We, we, we've, we've put a lot of time in this area. We like to glass, we like to find the deer and we're just, we were struggling. So, um, the following day we kind of did a hunt that, um, we'd been recommended by one of your friends and where he said, you know, Hey, push up above this lake and just kind of work the ridges across. And then our thought was, Hey, we'll do like a mid afternoon hunt. We'll sit on an area and we'll glass and then we'll work our way back down and, and glass our way out. And, um, we did that and it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a very good area, the, the, oh, the, the country that we pushed into and in some pockets in there, you can't see from up above, but it was just incredible to me that the amount of, the amount of landscape we covered, we didn't even bump a deer out anywhere. And if we did, we never saw it, but we hardly saw any deer that whole afternoon. And, and it, <laughs> well, that was, that was kind of the silly part. I mean, it was, well, one, we looked at it and went, oh, well, this is going to be an easy push. We'll be over there by X, Y, Z. Wash here, wash yeah. here. And, and and it took us twice as long because, of course, back to that, you know, Northern California up and down thing. Yeah. Literally, we got into a couple positions where literally we had to drop all the way to the bottom of a wash, cross the drainage, go all the way back up, and then drop all the way back down into another drainage and all the way back up to get to a point that we thought we would be able to watch most of mm-hmm. the stuff. And I do feel that we were, we were pressing it on time. And the other side though, is just back to the same statement. I think on that push, I did see what I thought was like a fawn and, and a doe's track, but we really didn't see any sign. And once again, this was probably, when you say probably about four thousand foot elevation three at that to, location, three to four, yeah. I would so say, yeah, I think range. we were we were once again in that area where it was too high. I always wonder, you know, if we would have had snow, if we would have had weather, would that have changed the dynamics and where the animals were? Because you know, everybody told us in previous hunts that. There was deer right in that area where we yeah. were at. I mean, one guy told us, you're not going to have an opportunity. You're going to have multiple opportunities at BNC Bucks. And that, to me, was what we were there for. Yeah. And lo and behold, like I said, nine plus days of hard, hard hunting. And, you know, we, we turned up five. But at the same time, shot opportunities were next yeah. to none. Yeah. I yeah. mean... I technically, in my mind, the only stock that I actually had was with you on the, on the last day. Yeah. And was that technically, a, that wasn't a you BNC even, buck and I didn't, didn't necessarily, I didn't necessarily even, that was kind of a, well, we're getting down towards the end and this is, this was a really cool fork by three, but genetically he was a deer that could he was be, young. he could be taken out of the gr- crowd so that hopefully a, you know, bigger, better genetic deer could have yeah. taken him. So we kind of, we fast forward to Saturday. So I think you and I at that point were feeling the crunch and knowing that, you know, Hey, we need to just drop into the bottom. We need to, and we need to hunt this, we need to hunt this low. So that morning we got um, right at our glassing spot of first light and I had glassed up that, that wide two by three, which thought at the time was a fork, but he did have, he did actually have splits on, on his front. So I think he was a two by three, but Anyway, so we glassed him up. He was bedded on a on a what would be considered basically a, a south facing ridge first thing in the morning, and um, so I grabbed you and and we had identified him, and then we just continued to see 
Warbucks, we saw a nice three by three. We saw another nice three by three pushing with a small fork and horn. So yep. we knew at that point that the deer were pushing lower, that that's where we needed to be. Um, so we did, and we literally went down into the bottom and <laughs> spent the whole day on the mountain that day. And I think we both committed to each other, like, you know what, we're not going to go back to camp today. Let's see what, even if there's any midday action that occurs. And Because um, that was really the hope, right? I mean, you get down into there, maybe the maybe the rut is actually happening. And that's really when we kind of found out that all of those fingers were there and there was a lot of space that we weren't seeing. Yeah. And potentially, you know, could we hear deer fighting? Could you hear, you know, rutting action going on all day? The interesting part is that, of course, was a pretty warm day yeah. that we had. But then uh, explain to them, you yeah, know. Yeah, so we were, we, we kind of sat down and we, we, saw where all those bucks went and they went low and we weren't able to get on any of those deer but our thought was is if we get down into within that general area within probably three to five hundred yards are they going to come back out and feed in the evening where we're going to have a shot at them versus sitting on top of the mountain glassing them up and realizing i can't get down there in 30 minutes so we're sitting there and it was about 10 30 and um, we were standing there and i look over to my left and just through kind of the silhouette um, of the trees I could see what appeared to be a good buck and it looked like that three by three. It was that kind of that dark, tall chocolate antlered uh, buck. And I see him come kind of walking and running down the side of the ridge, which to, uh, to our demise at the time, but didn't realize that this ridge held a ton of deer and we saw yeah. deer there, but didn't realize, okay, it's a North facer. It's shaded most of the day, actually for about 90% of the day, it's shaded. It's very cool. And there's a ton of of habitat and feed there there were oak trees dropping acorns so so i said you know what i said let's give it a try let's rattle who, who you know we tried rattle the day before and and um, didn't really have much success so you and i went up and we probably split between 30 40 yards between us but actually when i thought about it we had good shooting lanes left and right like if anything yeah. was going to come out to either side of us we were we had it pretty well covered within i would say a 200 yard radius on either side of us you know just to add in on that what what i didn't realize until later when we started looking is while it was only 200 i think i ranged it wasn't like 212 yards to where you saw that that buck from where we were line of sight right and it, we're just looking at stuff through patches, folks. So, I mean, that's the goofy part is yeah. you'd see them, then you'd see a doe, then you'd see nothing. And, and they were just kind of working on this hillside. But what we, what I didn't realize, and maybe you did, is that really it was, while it wasn't steep or crazy, it was, you know, 150 yards down to the bottom and then 250 yards up to where they were, yeah. but line of sight was only like 212 yards. Straight across, so yeah. So there was so much more space in between where we were and where he was that I was I was kind of blown away later when we did that push and walked around there. I was like, man, these guys could have hung out here all day while we were line of sight only a couple hundred yards away from them. Yeah. They could have just... They could have been there and we couldn't see them because of the tree cover and, and foliage. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I thought, well, you know what, these, this buck's moving around at 1030 in the morning. So he's still active. He's moving around. So I said, you know, let's try to rattle. So we got set up and I, I, I took the rattle sheds out and I just started rattling for couple different um couple different scenarios i think three three different times i think three different times we'd kind of done sessions and um 
sure enough, after I had done the third session, I grabbed my bow and uh, I could kind of hear something, you know, you can, you can hear leaves and you can hear other things crackling, but you never know. Was it a squirrel? You know, is it a deer? Oh yeah. It was crunchy out there. Cause there were were cows out there. And, uh, sure enough, this little, what I thought at the time was, was a fork and horn ended up being, had three small points on one side and a spike on the other actually came out below us and walked at 72 yards for me and ended up around 51 yards from you and walked right by us unbeknownst to us um cut across this this little oak flat that actually went to a good water source which we ended up finding later but um i guess we were hopeful that maybe that bigger buck was going to follow that that smaller buck it just didn't but it was interesting to know that that buck did walk out had us pinned and knew exactly where we were rattling at but really didn't have much care in the world um with us no. knowing we were there and and uh, we nope. actually did have the wind too i was gonna say the wind was good for us which <laughs> you know that was one of the very few times that yeah. the wind was actually to our advantage and uh being that it was 10 30 11 o'clock you know the 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 predominant winds were blowing in the right direction but it was pretty interesting that and you saw him first and what's funny is i was closer to him but yeah just because of the way the topography was i was kind of one little bench down below you I was kind of like doop, doop, doop. and i and what was funny is i saw you get all kind of like focused and and getting ready and you were kind of looking at me and looking down there without moving a lot but when i what happened for me is i look across and 200 yards away on the side of the hill, I could see another deer. And so I thought that's what you were looking at until all of a sudden that three by spike took a couple more steps. And then all of a sudden I'm like, holy crap, there he is. Yeah. But I knew as soon as he stepped out, I mean, we were at 50 yards and I actually thought he was a fork horn too. And then I pulled up my, like a range finder and I beamed him with it. And I was like, okay, it's a three by spike. Yeah. And, and then he just pussyfooted right across there. Never did, never did freak out or anything. And just like you mentally in my head, I was like, oh, come on. You know, I hope, I hope the other guy is right behind him. And yep. well, we, we sat there almost an hour, Sure. you know, kind of set up there trying to see if something would, would happen. And I figure it, mentally in my head, I think that that, that big three point was probably within 400 yards, don't you think? 400 or yards somewhere. Who yeah, knows? he couldn't have gone too far, but but he was once again, quiet yeah. and never did move or didn't talk. Or, and that you was know? an interesting thing when that small buck walked by us. That they are so quiet, and I don't know how they can be so light footed in that stuff. I mean, he walked within 50 yards of you, and just seeing movement is all you would see. Because if you were taking a nap, you probably would have never heard him. That was that was pretty amazing. Um, uh, we've alluded quite a few times to the dry conditions, which you know we only had that little hours worth of rain the whole time we were up there for nine plus days. And the reality was, even the pine needles where pine trees had dropped needles, they were crunchy. And you know, usually pine needles is a pretty soft, you know, quiet, sneakable area. But then the the oak trees that had big leaves had that windstorm pretty much knocked most of that stuff onto the ground and man it was like stepping on popcorn it was just crunchy 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 and you know hard to sneak on something then all of a sudden you got a deer and that deer friggin you know he just but he was moving slow right Mm -hmm. he wasn't doing a couple of times we had deer you know crunch 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 they were chasing a doe or something and you could hear them moving around 
But this deer, man, he just he just pussyfooted right into our yeah. backyard and right past us through all that leaves, and he made very very little noise. Yeah, yeah. So I mean that. So we sat most of that day. We we set up that evening. You got up on a good little area on a kind of a good lookout glass point on a rock, and I sat a little lower. And once again, we thought you know we're down in the lower section that these deer and we're going to come out and they did started coming out, you know, before the sunset, but, um, just couldn't, couldn't get opportunities, yeah. you know? And, and, well, uh, I did spot that three by three up on the side of the hill. He was probably, you know, 600 yards from you bedded. Yeah. But once again, you know, you would have had to travel through a bunch of really noisy stuff to get up there. I, I kind of looked back and, you know, kind of talked you out of making that stock. And now I think maybe we should have gone for it. But at the same junction, I kept telling myself, you know, be patient. Don't push these deer. They're not going anywhere. They've been in this general bowl the whole time mm-hmm. that we've found them. And, you know, not being overly aggressive, in my opinion, was a good move. Wait till the winds are right. Um, the crazy part is now we kind of skipped over bear, bear spotting sessions. <laughs> I guess we could probably have a whole podcast about bears, but I think, yeah, every day between you, I, or Sean, our friend, um, we'd seen at least one to two bears a day. And in this one area, probably the same two bears that were in this general area, but seeing really fresh sign, really fresh scat the last morning, Sunday morning, we just said, we're not even going to sit in glass. We're just going to push in and go. And, uh, I'm going down and we push some deer out and off to my left. 200 yards there's a there's a you know a lone <laughs> boar standing there just looking at us just incredible that was the pretty, amount of bears that was pretty saw. funny and the sign in there was pretty thick you know and that that was that was pretty amazing but i always tell everybody if you're going blacktail hunting and you've never killed a black bear you have a desire to kill a black bear in california if you're going to spend five days in the field you you should buy a black bear tag yeah. because there's just as high of a probability of you, you know, killing a black bear as killing a black-tailed deer. Now, the goofy thing for 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 me is <laughs> I looked at you and said, "Oh God, do not shoot a freaking bear down here." <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean that's gonna that's gonna a ruin our deer hunt for a couple of days while we're getting this bastard out, and b you know yeah, it's it just it, wasn't. it's just a, it's a lot of work to get one out, but I could see where. You know, this area was pretty popular for bears. And like you said, maybe it was the same two or three bears that that we were seeing in that area. But then just a few days earlier, you know, when we were with my buddy Rick, I think on the last morning, yeah. you know, we saw a nice bear over there too. So, I mean, that was definitely a different boar that was on that side of the, the ridge. Yeah. So, so that was Saturday. And then uh, actually Saturday evening on our yeah, well, that was the three point that you saw that I saw that you didn't. You were mm-hmm. right below, mm-hmm. but on the push out, didn't we? Didn't I pushed we, out a bear on the way out. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, on the on the lower section, which Sunday morning I saw him within a few hundred yards of that same spot where he was, um, and we saw Simon. We saw fresh tracks. Remember, we were coming out just off that that ridge line road, and there was fresh tracks there in the road below the lake. We saw a cat track, and we also saw a bear track there. So. A lot of predators. We saw a lot of coyotes. I saw two bobcats the weekend before when Wyatt and I went up. So a lot of predators in that area too. But yeah. Anyway. Well, that that brings us to Sunday, which was kind yeah. of the the last day, the last ditch effort, and and 
you know, we piled back into that same area again and you went all the way over to that dark ridge and then, you know what, we found the, the big fork by three and the big three point down on the very, very bottom and we were already in the bottom and, and then we bailed off to the further part of the bottom. bottom We hadn't been to yet. (laughs) You know, and then I found that, I found that three point shed and you found a, another shed Mm -hmm. Which told us that they're, oh yeah, most people don't go all the way down in there because... They probably would have picked these up by now. Yeah, I was The one I found was right on a trail, so... Yeah, well, I left mine right on the trail. I picked it up to to show you, and then you took off and went high looking for more deer. And I looked at that shed, and I thought, you know, if it was brown, I probably would have packed it out. But it was white, and I thought, the only thing I'd do is let my dog chew on it. Yeah, so yeah. I put it, I put it in the middle of the trail. So the next person that actually walks down there is going to be like, Oh my God, this deer shed his horn right here in the middle of the trail. Yeah, so. Probably smart. But no, that morning we, we did, we got pretty close. I mean, we worked again, wind was again, not on our side. So as the, as the, as the currents pushing down, we tried to stay off to the lower right of these deer. Cause they were to our upper left. Had we gone above them, I think they would have winded us from the start, but we did get lower and we did see the group of does and uh, I did catch the the wide fork two by three push a doe down into the bottom which you know I looked at you I said hey there's your buck I said you know pop up here and he might who knows he could come running up the trail we know wherever a hot doe is going to take him and um, 112 yards that was the that opportunity that was the range to the to the little the little buck that was in the group that was scooting around there yeah and those deer were a little closer, but man, there was that, you know, just the topography once again down there was you got down there where all the, all the drainage just kind of met and it just, the wind was totally inconsistent and it was swirly. And while I don't think that they really freaked out because I don't think they ever really knew what we were, um, it was just, it was miserable. Yeah, it was tough. So, yeah, I mean, the morning went by and I went up and I actually pushed up on top of the ridge that uh, we'd been seeing a lot of deer on and um, jumped multiple bucks, got into a a pretty good three by three that was a deep fork that just had little crabs on the front. It was a kind of a reverse three by three and uh, he was pushing does and, um, you know, had him had him within about 120 yards, just couldn't get the right shot. And then even hindsight thinking about that deer really wasn't, you know, the deer we were there to shoot either. So, um, well, we both determined that, you know, we could have killed a buck. That wasn't the point here. The point here was to shoot something bigger than we had ever killed as a blacktail. And, uh, it, the opportunity just never did come, never did for me. I mean, yeah. you got really close. You actually drew your bow yeah. at one point on that big three by three. But, um, I mean, I never even got to a position except for setting the block out and sending a couple arrows just to make sure that I was feeling good Yeah. Um, to even draw my bow back, yeah. you know, Which I did knock, a an, I did knock an arrow the last couple of days, but that was, yeah. that was, that was, that was it. Yeah. So. That was, that part of it was a bummer. And I think, I guess when I look back and reflect on that whole hunt, cause I did my, I did my, uh, my harvest information this morning, which was a big no, I didn't harvest, but I did hunt, but you know, I would do this hunt again in a heartbeat, knowing obviously what we know now. And as you say, hindsight's always perfect vision. But, you know, if we had the tag again and we would go in there, I think we would spend less time bouncing and probably focus more in certain areas where we think we could probably, 
get on a buck, you know, and, and, but again, you know, we could draw the tag in three more years and we could have snow on the ground, you know, which is what everyone tells you. That's a migrational area. And typically that's what happens is, is you get weather and uh, that becomes a very favorable hunt at that point. But, um, but anyway, we didn't just, we didn't get the weather. And, uh, unfortunately, um, you know, even with the weather, not on our side, you still got a tag, you still got to hunt. Right. And mother nature is going to, going to give you one hand and if that's all you're going to you know say well i can't do this because the weather then that's on you because there was still deer out we talked about this earlier i mean basically on the opening weekend of the season the moon was just about full right and the last couple of days of our season the moon was almost gone and the interesting part is you saw heavier rutting activity in the very beginning than we did at the very end and then we talk about, well, we didn't have any choice on on whether or not it was 80 degrees on opening weekend mm-hmm. or having those windstorms in the middle or having mild temperatures all throughout. You know, everybody told us, oh, man, you guys are, you know, even the fish and game officer said, oh, man, sometimes we have to we have to get out of our shoo truck off the road. and shoo them off the dadgum road so, you know, they don't get poached or something like that. And here we're. You know, we're going, shoo them off the road. I mean, the only deer that we saw on the road was like in the middle of the night when mm-hmm. we were coming out after having stayed in the very bottom way too dadgum late yeah. and not getting out on time or getting out two hours behind schedule. Um, and we put our time in. But, yeah, I, I I reflect back because my wife's like, oh, man, when I came home, I was I was fried, right? And I maybe made a couple comments like, I'm just wore out, tired, mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, it was rough. Slight bit of frustration, yeah, right? Yeah, slight bit of frustration. And and my old saying was, if you have enough days, then you should be able to be successful, right? We had plenty of days, but by day seven, you know, especially since we were in the middle on day six, we were in the middle of that windstorm. I was just, I was mentally and physically fried and yeah. it took an extra wind to get to that to the end of the nine ten days that we ran but what's interesting is i look back now and go well i did see five booner bucks right and i think in my previous 30 years of blacktail hunting maybe i've seen three mm-hmm. total on the hoof alive so i kind of look back and go wow i mean numbers wise i mean holy cow we went from 30 years in seeing three to five in nine ten days Mm -hmm. that's a pretty amazing thing even though some of them weren't in a huntable position and others that we never got a stock opportunity i mean that's still pretty pretty incredible numbers yeah right and what would have happened if we would actually had you know conducive weather and if we would have had everything that we wanted you could know, have you, been like the last few days where we were you know i wouldn't say covered up in bucks but we were covered up in deer i mean we had deer all around us and we were getting in on them we just didn't have you know the right opportunity yeah but you know be, of course it, it, once again it'll be nice to to get that chance sometime to try this again and you know like like i said my wife's like oh well you'll never do that again and i'm like oh actually kind of sick wise i'm thinking that maybe that is the hunt that i'm gonna try to do again revenge you know never give up you know gotta gotta give it another whirl and you and i both were talking also 
it's going to be really interesting to see what the success rate was, right? We ran on to one guy that had been there since opening day, and it was middle of the second week. He had been there eight, nine days, I think. It was and Monday or Tuesday, yeah, we saw him. He had passed on a few smaller bucks, and he basically said, a horn better not run across the road yeah, it's in, in front trouble. of me. It's in he trouble. goes, because I'm liable to shoot it. And then he left and said he was going to come back the last weekend, but, you know, who knows if that happened. And then we ran on to Sean, a new friend of ours, which hopefully we'll have on the podcast in the near future. And, you know, I mean, he had hunted the opening weekend, came back for the last, and towards the end he was he was actually camping with us and basically saying, geez, oh, criminy, this is, this is pretty hardcore. Yeah. He, he actually had one opportunity where – some deer were pushing close to him, which was a buck that he said it was, that's what he came for. And he said the doe walked right out in front of him at 40 yards. He thought, oh, the buck's going to do that exact same thing. And then instead of the doe just continuing on her path, she button hooked and went straight up the hill. And instead of that buck following where she went, the buck just angled up the hill and walked away from him. He said never to be seen again. So, yeah, he was, and he had covered ground. I mean, he went to some areas we had hunted or, or had scouted and got some intel and went and checked some places out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and pretty accomplished hunter. I mean, told some stories about some hunts he's done, you know, clearly he's, he's, he's been there, done that. And, and a guy who, you know, works for a, um, uh, you know, a good company, a Kuyu who makes good, you know, good gear and some of the best. And, uh, he, uh, you know, he, he was kind of struggling too. And on the last day, I think I had mentioned talking to him about doing a hunt and he, he packed up and, and left after the morning as long, as well as you did. And I stayed and, and, um, couldn't not give it one last high school effort on the last evening Sunday. And I dropped into the same area, didn't even bring a pack. I just threw my bow <laughs> on my back and, and I went down and I ended up turning up, um, the one three by three that, um, definitely was interesting to me. And, um, just, I ran out of time. Just one other one of those issues where um, he went off on a finger to the right that we had um, kind of glassed previously. Actually, you'd been on that finger prior, and actually the one finger over, and I followed him down, and uh, he went off to the bottom right. I followed him down, even went farther than where we went that morning. That's and, crazy. Uh, never saw him, which was interesting because he was going down versus most of the deer were coming out in the evenings, but. Which is weird because that just, I mean, when you told me that, I was just kind of floored because, of course, I was actually driving on the way home trying to get back and get all my stuff taken care of. But that was just insane that that, that deer was actually higher going, going down yeah. when you were coming back in. And then you also mentioned, once again, I don't know if it was the same bear, but you ran, you jumped a bear down in the bottom too. Yeah. So... I mean, but that, at least you gave it the last college ditch effort and mentally I wanted to stay, but physically I was thinking going back down in that hole again was just not on my list of, of want to do's, you know, especially since the deer, I mean, the deer that we were chasing down in there were, were nice deer, but I was really hoping that maybe we would turn up that big buck again. Every time we went in there, that's all I thought about is okay, I know we're coming down here, we're looking for these other two deer, but maybe, just maybe that other deer is here somewhere, Yeah. and maybe we'll be dumb lucky enough to see him perched underneath a tree somewhere. So, 
but didn't happen but that didn't good. happen and as i was walking out that uh, afternoon and you pulled out the old camera and i'm like okay that's it last ditch effort you know <laughs> we we put some miles on i yeah. think uh you know i wear one of these silly fitbits and i think it gave me my best best uh seven day run that i've ever had on with uh with one of these things on so yeah no we uh we definitely put on some miles and we saw some great country and you know i think of anything you think about the knowledge you gain in a certain area and clearly some of the best you know blacktails in the state genetically are in this area so it's not a matter of the deer aren't in there i mean from the bucks we've known in the past from everyone we talked to talking to the fishing game the bucks they validated there's some monsters in there um it's just having the opportunity and to your point spending the time and and getting the opportunity that's what it's all about you know yeah that's that's it once again you just never know what tomorrow leads to and who knows maybe we'll draw the random tag next year and and it'll be a complete different story but do it all over again that's all we'd have to do so anyway it was fun it was fun i had a good time it was it was good um i will say that we ate good yeah we did eat good i mean halibut one night you know, elk, elk steak. steaks one night, elk mule spaghetti. deer backstab one night, elk spaghetti another night. Yeah, some blacktail stew. Oh, that blacktail stew blacktail was burger. pretty yummy. Yeah, we... Taco we, night was pretty good, too. We ate well. So, But I yeah. know when you're around, it's it's about eating, so... Hey, listen, T-bones and baked potatoes on the top of the mountain, we should ask Sean what he thinks about that. Yeah, that was a pretty good meal, too. <laughs> Everybody on here is going, sheesh, we need to go with him. I'm thinking, sheesh, we need to get John McGannon to take us. Yeah. No, maybe we need to draw the tag, invite John McGannon, and then he can stay stay in camp. John, I hope you're not listening to this because you're probably like, oh, those bastards. (laughs) No wonder they invited me to camp. John was invited, but but, uh, no, but special thanks. I think thanks goes out to Rick, you know, for one, for spending a couple days with us and giving us, giving us some Intel, helping us out. Um, and ultimately, uh, you know, you know, Rick, I think, you know, he's, he's somewhat of a local there, so he knows kind of what to expect and, and was definitely a resource. And then it was neat meeting Sean and spending some time with him at camp and breaking bread. And, uh, and, you know, we, we ran into onto some other folks, you know, during the course of the hunt. And, and, uh, but I think it was just fun when you meet people like that, um, you know, they're people that you want to hunt again, you know, hunt with again, you want to share another camp with and hear more stories, especially a guy like Sean, who, you know, basically started with, with Kuyu when it started and very and beginning knew Jason for many years, went to college with him. So a lot of stories and a lot of knowledge there with him. So, uh, yeah, just a lot of fun and yeah, we'll have to, uh, figure out when we're going to do this again. But, absolutely uh, absolutely 2019's winding down man Dude. it's almost december and waited all year for this tag and crazy we're at the end of the year got too tired to pull it off yeah <laughs> well no we had we just didn't have that right opportunity yeah. so next time i guess that's the reason they call it hunting for all those people that say oh well you guys are trophy hunters yeah well we are we've been hunting long enough that we're looking for some top of the notch animals and and wanting that opportunity and challenge ourselves to try to harvest the biggest animal that we can yep absolutely next time around hopefully we'll we'll be a little bit more successful yeah so uh what do we got to look forward to i guess we got some trade shows coming up we're going to probably hit those in in 2020 
Um, I'm surprised you and Wyatt aren't on the road after his uh, Arizona <laughs> mule deer tag right now, but I understand you got you got work stuff coming up next week. So, yeah, so look forward to that. And I, one thing that you and I need to do is we need to punch a bobcat tag by the end of this year, and we need you to know, make that a personal vendetta against thanks, the state of California, California to we, make that happen. We need to do that. Either that, or we need to get a class action lawsuit against the state. One of the two. So, yeah, so. I think. Uh, I think at some point this weekend, you and I need to go take a drive and see if we can't go find a bobcat. But anyway, so, but no, I appreciate, I appreciated, um, you know, basically spending the, the week with you and had a great time. And I think we learned a lot, um, from each other hunting and, and obviously there were, you know, a lot of downs and a few ups during the course of the time, but, um, overall to your point, I think it's about who you spend time with and, and who, yeah. when you get outdoors and having fun and enjoying time with people that you enjoy. And, and, uh, you know, I wouldn't have traded that week for any, I mean, even the way it ended, you know, it, it ended the way it did, but I still had a great time. So. Absolutely. And, and I want to just say ditto to all of that. I mean, with you, it was a lot of fun. You're a crazy bastard. I admit sometimes when you run up one of those Hills and I think, son of a gun, I couldn't do that when I was his <laughs> age, even if I wanted to, but it, uh, the other side of this is, you know, when I came home and I was telling my wife how hard it was and how frustrating it was and how I just didn't think. And then I started looking back and I'm like, man, I saw five booners. I mean, 30 years, only seen three in 30 years. Yeah, and I here I math. saw five in nine days. And I'm, I'm like, as horrible as it was and as painful as it was, really, it was pretty freaking great and, yeah and while you're living it you're 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 the expectations going into this were so high and then the results were so low i guess that's where the 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 mixed emotions but um hunting is a roller coaster event sometimes always is and things uh, can happen real quick oh all it takes is that 10 second opportunity mm. to change everything and turn a what we would have considered a crappy hunt into the most successful experience that you've ever had. And that's the highs and lows of hunting because yep. it is, it's, it's about the challenge on the Hill and it's about your personal experience. You know, it's, uh, it's the sunsets that you and I saw together or potentially the sunrise or the fog blowing in or the cloud up on the mountain that looked like a, you know, a big, dolphin jumping through mm -hmm. the water i mean it's just crazy weird stuff that yeah. makes you smile yep so a lot of good times for those people that don't do it put on a pack get out into the mountains and look at a sunset if nothing else just get out there and watch that sunrise it's an incredible experience and for me it's the place that i feel the closest to god or our creator or anything else you want to call it and breaking bread with good people and having fun on the hill. That's what it's all about. That is incredible. All right, man. Okay. We'll, we'll have Signing to do off. a uh, we'll have to do a wrap up on the air, but this was just a tent to kind of gather our thoughts and wrap up our our blacktail hunt. And uh, yeah, 2020 is upon us and uh, closing out 2019. Crazy to think the year is almost over, but Jesus. it's been a good year and uh, look forward to uh, what we got going in 2020. So. Anyway, until the next time. Thanks, man. Happy holidays. And uh, hopefully we'll get on again if we don't. Uh, yeah, it's been good. It has been. It'll get better. No complaints. Always does. <laughs> that's true. And if you can complain, who's going to listen anyway? So not many. That's for sure. All right, man. Wrap it up.
Hey everyone, this is Lucas Paw, host of the RNA Outdoors podcast. Please check out Podbean and iTunes. If you have an iPhone or iPad, go to the podcast app on your device, search for RNA Outdoors, and hit the purple subscribe button. When doing this, it will automatically upload when new podcasts are loaded and they will download into your queue. For Android users, you can access the podcast through Podbean, Stitcher, or use our website, www.rnaoutdoors.com forward slash podcast. In addition, under the RNA Outdoors podcast channel, please leave a review and a five-star rating. These reviews help boost our popularity and outreach. You can also follow us on our social media outlets, Twitter at RNA Outdoors, Facebook, RNA Outdoors, and Instagram, Rod and Arrow Outdoors. All links are in the show notes as well. If you like what you've heard, we hope you'll pass along our channel to your friends and colleagues. Keep up the good fight. We cannot sit by and watch the public lands devoted to wildlife protection wither away. There's simply too much at stake. Make your voice heard, speak up, and get involved with conservation efforts. And know that every little bit helps. As we say on the mountain, go farther, stay longer.